psalmist, he models something for us here. He teaches us something that I think all of us need to take hold of. He teaches us how to direct our own heart, how to direct our own soul to spiritual health as we live in a challenging context away from our eternal home. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller, and we're continuing to look at the book of Psalms. Today we come to Psalm 42, and Jonathan, you uh, point out that the psalmist here is teaching us something that we really need to understand, how we need to, in a sense, direct our own soul. Are, Are you saying that there's a personal responsibility that we have for our own spiritual health? Well, I guess it's right to say that we do have a responsibility. We're not completely helpless in terms of responding to our feelings and our circumstances. The Bible gives us pointers and guidance and models of how to respond to different feelings in different circumstances. Of course, we rely on the Lord in all these things, but the psalm we're going to look at today, Psalm 42, it gives us a wonderful model of one way in which we can train our soul to trust in the Lord, and that is to speak hope to our soul. And the psalmist does that in a very, very wonderful way here in the psalm. Well, let's uh, go ahead and open our Bibles there to Psalm 42 and see how the psalmist does just that as we begin our message called Speaking Hope to Your Soul. Here is Jonathan. Well, I don't know if you've ever been homesick, if you've ever had that particular experience. Perhaps some here are feeling that way actually today. You are homesick for a country, for a house, for a family who are far away at the present time. Most of us have lived through some experience of homesickness at some point in time. I remember as a kid at at summer camp, away for two weeks with parents visiting on the visitor Sunday in the middle. And I remember long discussions and some negotiations. Would I stay for the second week? I wasn't so sure. Or would I just get in the car and go home? I I, I stayed to the end. And of course, I was glad I did. But I remember that feeling as a child. I remember that day. I remember later at age... Uh, 19, going overseas to study for what ended up being a number of years and the sense of being very far away from home and missing certain things and certain people all the while. In Psalm 42, the psalmist experiences and expresses a deep sense of homesickness. He longs for Jerusalem, for the temple, for the presence of God, but he's far away from his homeland. He's tearful and he's downcast, verse 3. He remembers with bittersweet joy the experience of going to the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord, verse 4, but he's not able to do that now. He's not there. No, verse 5, he remembers the Lord from afar, from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mizar, territory that's up north, that's at a distance from home, that is out of reach from Jerusalem. Now, it's quite clear that this homesickness is not simply about geographical distance. No, the people of the land in which he is dwelling at the present time, they are unsympathetic unsympathetic to him and to his faith. 
He's in a hostile place, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? He's facing the oppression of the enemy, verse 9, and it's pretty ugly, verse 10. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? The psalmist, he's far from home. He's far from the people and the Lord he loves, and he's facing opposition in a hostile land. He is homesick in every way, socially, geographically, spiritually. And friends, if you and I have our sights set on our heavenly home, if we are longing for that day when we will be in the Lord's immediate presence and see him face to face, if we are a people who know the pressures of this world, and the opposition of the Lord's enemies, I believe that each one of us will know something of this feeling of spiritual homesickness, a longing for heaven above. As Christian people, we are, of course, very much a pilgrim people, a people on the way, a journeying people. As the writer to the Hebrews reminds us so memorably, here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. We long for it. We wait for it. And on those days when the pressures of this world and the opposition of the enemies of God press upon us and weigh us down, we feel acutely, don't we, the distance and the pain of separation. Yes, of course, we, we have the privilege of access to the Lord's presence in heaven through Jesus, our great high priest, and by the Spirit of God. Yes, we have access now, but we long to actually be there, don't we? We long to arrive. We long for our faith to become sight. One of the ways in which the Lord helps us with that spiritual sense of homesickness is by bringing us encouragement through gathering together as the, as the people of God, gathering for corporate worship as we are now, is meant to be, I think, a little taste of heaven. It's meant to be a little reminder of our spiritual home. But of course, the psalmist is feeling the lack of that at the present time. That's what he's talking about in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping the festival. If we've been believers for any length of time and lived through anything of the ups and the downs of life, we know something, don't we, of this sense of spiritual homesickness. And here the psalmist shares openly with us of his own experience of this. But he does more than simply share his sadness. He shows us how to navigate and cope with that spiritual homesickness in a godly way, in a faith-filled way, in a believing way. And so as we walk through this psalm with the psalmist, he is going to show us and model for us how to shepherd our own soul through these seasons of spiritual homesickness.
You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a look at Psalm 42 today. Our message is called Speaking Hope to Your Soul and why we do have to pause here for just a moment. I hope you'll stay with us because we'll get back to the message. The message is part of a larger series called Songs of the Heart. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts in our series, you can come and listen online. Our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. There you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. You could also listen if you have the Encounter the Truth app. That's free. It's a great way to stay connected with Jonathan's teaching and listen whenever it fits your schedule. But whether you listen online, through the app, or through the radio, it's all made possible through your prayers and generosity. So thank you for giving to and supporting this ministry financially. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book that Jonathan has picked out. It is called Worthy. It's written by Sinclair Ferguson. And in this book, Ferguson explains the importance of living worthy of the gospel. Why that principle is sometimes forgotten, and then the difference between biblical obedience and legalism. Again, we'd love to send you a copy of this book called Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel, as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can give online when you come to EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 1-833-99-TRUTH. That's EncounterTheTruth.org or 1-833-998-7884. Well, if you did join us a little late, again, we're in Psalm 42. As we get back to the message, here is Jonathan. One of our kids is taking a course from the Red Cross this summer online, and part of the course is some basic first aid training. And they said to him on the course at the opening lesson, you know, you need to make sure you have a really good first aid kit at home. That's something to check in on and and prioritize. We we had a a number of uh, first aid materials in the house, but we we didn't have a complete and an up-to-date kit. So we, we took the advice and we ordered a new one. The new kit arrived the other day. And when we opened the box, we realized what we'd been missing, bandages of every size, a, a good flashlight, antiseptic wipes, equipment for CPR, a thermal blanket, and on and on it goes, all the rest. It's wonderful actually to have this kit now and to know it's there. And of course, when accidents happen, there won't always be help right to hand. We hope that we could get to the doctor if if there was a real need, but if we were, I don't know, in a remote location or if there was a bad storm, you know, it's important to be in a position where you can help yourself, where you won't be totally reliant on other people for the help you need. The psalmist here in Psalm 42, he recognizes that he needs to administer some first aid to his own soul in this time of isolation, in this time of homesickness. And you and I, for the sake of our own spiritual resilience, our own spiritual well-being, we need to be able to do the same thing for ourselves. Psalmist, he models something for us here. He teaches us something that I think all of us need to take hold of. He teaches us how to direct our own heart, how to direct our own soul to spiritual health as we live in a challenging context away from our eternal home. Notice with me three things the psalmist models for us in this. First of all, he models for us a longing of the soul. A longing of the soul, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
as creatures of God, as people made by him and for him, it is natural, isn't it? It's appropriate that we should find our fulfillment and our contentment and our joy in him. But sin, it always has this habit of misdirecting the longings of the human heart. In our waywardness, we habitually turn to seek fulfillment in created things rather than the creator himself. That's really the very heart of sin, isn't it? That's the very nature of idolatry, pursuing and worshiping God replacements rather than God himself. It's what our world does compulsively all the time, of course, pursuing fulfillment in passions, pleasures, pursuits, possessions of this passing world. But in times of difficulty and distress, the pursuit of these things can actually become more and more desperate and more and more frenzied. And I think we could probably discuss a number of ways we see that happening. But here we have the psalmist in a time of difficulty with this feeling of pressure from the world, this sense of spiritual homesickness, and his declaration of soul is this, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I wonder what you reach for when you're thirsty on a hot day. We've had a number of very hot days this summer. If we happen to have a taste for sugary soft drinks, those synthetic sugar-filled drinks that might taste so good but be not so good for us, if we're not careful, we're always going to want to quench our thirst with the junk food variety of drink. If when we're thirsty, we always reach for a Pepsi or a Mountain Dew, we're going to end up in a little bit of trouble over time. It's important, isn't it? to train our taste buds, to train our senses to thirst for water, to find refreshment in pure and healthy, life-giving water rather than drinks that'll do us harm if we quench our thirst with them all the time. And you and I, we need to be sure, and we might need to retrain and realign our appetites in this sense. We need to be sure that our heart and our soul is longing for the Lord himself, is seeking refreshment and finding fulfillment and finding joy in him and not in anything else. Now, of course, that's no easy thing for us just to do, even if we belong to the Lord, even if we've known him for a long time. When the pressure rises, when the difficulty comes, when sadness and even that sense of spiritual homesickness presses upon us, we are liable, aren't we, to go and seek satisfaction of soul in other things. A new purchase, a nice vacation if we could actually go anywhere these days, a new career challenge, a new relationship, something else altogether. We're entirely vulnerable, aren't we, to that line of thought, to thinking that our soul will be soothed or satisfied by the things of this world if we pursue them hard enough. But the psalmist, by utter contrast, models for us something wholesome and something healthy and something altogether right. He's trained his heart to long for God himself. 
This imagery of the deer heading for that flowing stream, it's one of the most memorable images, I tend to think, in the whole of the Psalms. It lodges in the memory in a wonderful way. This deer knows instinctively where to go for healthy refreshment, where life and renewal will be found. And here's the best thing of all about thirsting for God. He is available and he is accessible to each and every one of us. He'll never disappoint us when we come to him. One of the greatest sources of misery in this world is in longing for fulfillment in something we can never actually have, a certain experience, a certain possession, an achievement, and it eludes us. Life just feels empty because we, we can never take hold of it if we've set our heart upon it. But the Lord has given himself to us. This is the gospel, isn't it? The Lord has given himself to us in Jesus Christ. He is available to each one of us by faith. The invitations of Scripture in this regard, they are wonderful, aren't they? Isaiah 55 and verse 1, familiar words, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's the invitation of God. John 4 and verse 13, Jesus to the woman at the well. Do you remember that? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We're invited, each one of us, to come and to drink and to find refreshment and to find satisfaction, to find health of soul in God himself. I wonder if you've ever done that before. I wonder if you've responded to that invitation of the Word of God to find life and health and refreshment of soul in Jesus Christ. And if you have, I wonder if you're still finding your refreshment in that ever-flowing, ever-rising well in God himself. The psalmist models for us a longing of the soul. Next, he models for us a remembrance of the soul, middle of verse 5. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The time of being cast down and being troubled, homesick, oppressed, the psalmist decides to call to mind the Lord himself. Just notice the connection here. It's actually very tight. My soul is cast down. I'm facing this time of difficulty. Therefore, I remember you. I'm in this time of difficulty, therefore I'm going to call my mind to you. I remember who you are. I remember what I've learned about you from your word. I remember the teaching of the scriptures. I, 
I remember your acts and your faithfulness in days gone by. And what follows next here in verse 7, what his remembrance leads the psalmist to see and to understand, it's very interesting, and I think it's actually quite surprising. He's in a tough place. He calls to mind the Lord and who he is, and in verse 7, this much becomes clear to him. The Lord is in control of the tough situation that he is facing. He's in the midst of a storm, isn't he? At least metaphorically speaking, a spiritual, emotional, social storm. But notice whose storm it is. Verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfall. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. I'm practically drowning here, says the psalmist. But I, as I remember you and I remember who you are, this much has become clear to me. This storm, these bursting rivers and crashing waves, they all belong to you. They're yours. You're commanding them. You could stop them, but they flow in accordance with your will. Even though I'm far away from the home I love, even though the unbelievers around me are making life tough for me, you are actually in control and you are actually at work in all these things because the rivers and the waves and the storms of life, they flow and they billow at your command. They're yours. And so the conclusion of the thought comes in verse 8. You are lovingly commanding my circumstances each day. And at night I can sing your song of thanksgiving and of dependency. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. Friends, in seasons of social pressure and of spiritual homesickness. We need to be those who consciously and intentionally call to mind our remembrance of the Lord and of who He is. We need to remember that He is the sovereign God who is ruler over all life circumstances, that He is powerful, that He is good in the exercise of that power, that He commands the winds and the waves, and He does so in accordance with His stead fast love for his people, his covenant love for us. We have to pause the message right here, but we'll continue this message, Speaking Hope to Your Soul, next time on Encounter the Truth. If you ever miss a broadcast, you can always listen online. Just come to EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth is a listener-supported broadcast. It is your generosity that keeps this teaching on this station. So thank you for giving to and supporting this ministry. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book that you've picked out, Jonathan. It is called Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel. And i, I got to ask, what does that mean, to live in light of the gospel? Well, you know, the, the way in which we live, our behavior, our lifestyle, it doesn't save us. The gospel tells us that we couldn't save ourselves, 
and Jesus gave his life for our salvation, that we could be forgiven and restored to relationship with God. But what we need to understand is that having been saved through the gospel, there is a way to live in light of the gospel. The gospel will change our behavior and our lifestyle and and the way in which we approach decision-making and the nature of our interactions with others. And this book is a call to live in light of the gospel, to allow the gospel to have its impact in our day-to-day lives. And I think we need that help. We need that encouragement. And I hope it'll be an encouragement to you as you read it. Well, we want to send you a copy of this book, Worthy is our way of saying thank you for supporting the ministry this month. Give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or over the phone when you call 833-998-7884. That's 833-99-TRUTH. Or again, the website is EncounterTheTruth.org. You can also write us at Encounter the Truth, 2176 Prince of Wales Drive, Ottawa, Ontario, 2KE0A1. Or in the U.S. at Encounter the Truth, 215 North Arlington Heights Road, number 102. Arlington Heights, Illinois, 60004. For Jonathan Griffiths and our producer, Mark Bretta, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.